Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. series. If you're a guest with us, what we've done is for the last three weeks is we've looked at what it means as a church and as children of God, as, as people to share ministry for God's sake in Jesus' name and to explore and encounter mission, to be on mission with God and to go serve people. And then today, I want us to explore what God's Word says about community. What is Christian community? What is the church's role in community? And this little video sort of tells that story. We don't have to put on a false front and be fake and lie our way through life. God has allowed us as children of God, as the church, to be in relationship with other people who are also not fine and to stir up each other, to spur one another on, to walk in fellowship and faith, to stand arm in arm when it's bad and hard, and to raise our hands and celebrate when it's good. This is what the church is supposed to do. We're going to be kind of all over the scriptures this morning. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And as you turn there, I want to invite you one more time to pray with me. God, as we mine your word for truth about what it looks like, what it's supposed to be to walk in fellowship with others, to enjoy friendship, and to crawl in the foxhole with people we care about, and to stand arm in arm preparing for your return. God, help us to know this is your design. We are your people. And God, just as these parents have stood on stage and said, we want to dedicate our child to the Lord. God, we as a church have a role in that to embrace those families. And when those children make choices that cause hurt, that we get behind them in prayer and love and scripture and support, and we say, keep going. And when they have little victories and big victories in their lives, God, we lock arms with them and we say yes to the Lord of heaven. Thank you for all the good you have done. Help us to be your people and to walk in faith and fellowship together. In Jesus' name we pray. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us then stir one another and not, not just go about our business together, but let's, your Bible may say, spur one another on to cheer for, to fight with and fight for and stand alongside them. 
Let us stir one another up to love and good deeds. Let us not neglect meeting together. Don't stop coming together and being in fellowship and enjoying friendship and kindness and praying together and studying God's word together and growing in our faith together. Do not neglect that. All the more, encourage one another all the more as we see the day of Jesus approaching. We need each other in this crazy world, do we not? And sometimes we, we put on these faces and, and let people think we're, we're okay. Or, or even if you don't hide it well, you still don't tell the story of what's really going on inside of you. And let me challenge and encourage you. You're missing on one of God's essential truths for the church, for the bride of Christ. And that, that is that you can walk with others and find care and accountability to keep going with Jesus when you don't think you can, or keep going with Jesus when things are going well for you and you think you don't need Jesus. We stand for one another. We stand with one another. This is group life. This is what God intended. In fact, I'd go on to say, it was always the plan that we live in fellowship and community with one another. It was always his plan. How do I know that? In John 13, Jesus told his disciples, this is how they will know you are my disciples, that you are my followers, that you love who? One another. Now check that out. He doesn't say, this is how you will, they will know you are my disciples, if you love God well. This is how they will know that you are my disciple. If you do kind works and you do good things and, and you give money and, and you love God and you pray and you worship. He says, they will know. Who is they? The world will know that you are my followers if you love one another. This is the way God rigged this system. Love gets a lot of press. I mean, or lack of love, it gets a lot of press, doesn't it? I mean, we talk about it, the world talks about it. The world talks about the church in terms of, I don't really want to go be a part of that because they're a bunch of hypocrites. They don't love one another. I don't really want to be a part of that because I don't see love in what they're doing. Or, man, I went to this church and people loved me and cared for me and they called me by name and then I found this great relationship with people. Love gets a lot of press. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he, he shares this beautiful description of God's love for others. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. It is not arrogant. And he goes through several different parts of love and demonstrating love. And, and then he gets, he gets down the way and he says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And that's powerful. 
Love is powerful, right? But it's not the only truth about this passage. Did you know there are some parts of Scripture that we call descriptive? Meaning we look at God's word and then we understand when we see this thing happening in God's word, it's describing someone's demonstration of following God, of loving God, of serving God, of of obeying God. And then there are parts of scripture we look at and we see this is prescriptive, meaning it's a command. God says, this is what you are supposed to do. So prescriptive and descriptive. Let me encourage you about this. 1 Corinthians 13 is descriptive. 1 Corinthians 13 is not a test of love. Meaning if you're not patient, you're not loving. If you're not kind, you're not loving. Because look, let's get real honest. Every one of us have people in our lives or someone in our lives that we love and we're not always patient with them, amen? And sometimes they're not patient with us and sometimes they are arrogant and they boast. Sometimes they just don't, they just don't show love. 1 Corinthians 13 is not a test of love. It's a standard of love. It's the Apostle Paul reminding us, this is the way you should love. This is the way you demonstrate love. And so because it is not a test of love, let me encourage you with this. Just because you don't feel loved, meaning things aren't going your way in a relationship, does not mean you're not loved. Because some places... In Scripture, prescriptive tell us to speak truth in love. And sometimes that's hard to hear. Sometimes it doesn't feel very loving. And so when we talk in the church about things like obedience, commitment, faithfulness, sacrifice, we're not saying to you that you have to give up all your rights to the love of God. What we're saying is, if you give up your earthly rights, you deny yourself and follow him, you will know the full extent of the love of God. This is the way God rigged the system for us. He gave us community. He gave us one another. He gave us the church so that we could see his faithfulness acted out, played out in our lives. And so at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And so I want us to walk through that just a little bit as we talk about community this morning together. I want us to look at those three things in Scripture and see just how those three things bring us into relationship with one another, which then brings us into relationship with God. I would say this as we start and we dive into faith. You can love others 
without loving God. But you cannot truly and fully love God without loving others. This is the way God rigged the system. Our faith, what binds us together in the person of Jesus is wrapped up in this truth that Jesus Christ died not just for you, but that he died for all of those who seek him and find him, who believe in him and call on his name. Jesus did this for all of us, so we share this faith. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Faith abides in us together as God's people, and it cannot be found outside of fellowship with others. You with me? Our faith binds us together because we come together. We don't neglect meeting together. We stand together. We struggle together, and we rejoice together. Because God's design is that we do this in community with others. We see a great example of this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now, I call these the Mr. T verses. And and you'll see in just a second why, right? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil or their work. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, his brother, his sister. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Now, your translation of the scripture, the NIV in particular says, but pity anyone, pity the fool who when he falls does not have someone there to pick him up. This is why community, this is why group life, this is why fellowship is so critical for us. You can have a relationship with God and struggle and hurt and lose a loved one or lose a marriage or something. And then if you try to get through that in your own, you will fall. God designed this so that we could stand in the gap with others to raise them up, hold them up, and to hold their arms up, to care for them, and to see them through. Again, it goes on to say, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one, one one-on-one struggle, one-on-one battle, You may prevail, you may lose. Two, two will withstand him. So when people come after you, Scripture is exhorting us, have other people in your corner to support you, to see you through, to fight for you when necessary. Two will withstand him. A A threefold cord is not easily broken, wound together, tight, holding on with Jesus Christ as the center. Our lives are made stronger in community. We share a faith that Jesus Christ has done his part. 
He's done everything he was supposed to do. And now we get to enjoy that and celebrate that in him. Let me say this about faith. What binds us together, believing that Jesus Christ is who he, who, is who he said he is and has done what he said he will do, it all comes together. It's all singular focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. Here's what I mean by that. Our faith all points to the cross. Not a cross with a man on it, but an empty cross where Jesus came and died at the hand of sinners, was put on the cross, raised up. And in the Old Testament, there's a bunch of prophecies about this happening to him. Maybe most famously, Isaiah 53, when Isaiah wrote that he would be mocked as a king. Deuteronomy 21 talks about the sins and the sinners being hanged on a tree. And Jesus Christ in that moment became sin and was hanged on a tree. In Numbers 21, there's a crazy story about the people in the wilderness where they were sinning and so God sends fiery serpents into the camp. And the serpents are, the snakes are biting people and they're dying. And they go to Moses and they say, will you pray for us? And God tells Moses, he prays, God tells Moses, I want you to take a serpent and put it on a bronze pole and put it in the middle of the camp. And then if anyone gets bitten by a snake, they can look on the serpent on the pole and be healed. <coughs> Jesus Christ took on the sin of the world. And for a moment, he wasn't a serpent. He wasn't the deceiver. But for a moment, Jesus carried that weight of sin and was lifted up on a pole so that when we look on the cross of Jesus Christ, we are healed. <laughs> There's something else cool about that. The cross has two elements. A vertical and a horizontal. And so all those Old Testament prophecies talk about Jesus being raised up a vertical pole stuck somewhere between heaven and earth. But as he was lifted up while they mocked him as a king, Jesus said of himself, unless the son of man be lifted up, if he is not lifted up, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Lifted up. That's the vertical. But the horizontal part is what held him there. As Jesus' arms were nailed, his wrists nailed to that cross, this is what nailed him there. And the horizontal represents the relationships 
of us and Jesus with us on this earth. It's why Jesus did it. He didn't just do it as a demonstration. He did it for you. <laughs> and this is what brings us to our knees and we find our faith and we do it together because it was always God's intention. Community, group life, seeking God together is what makes this special. It's not our music, it's not our artwork, it's not our soft, comfy chairs, right? It's not the awesome Austin Stone on our stage. It's not the lights that give you vertigo, right? It's, it's us together seeking God and finding Him in community and together being held against the enemy's attacks. It's our faith. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Community also drives us to hope. In fact, I would go so far as to say Christian community is the place where our hope in God is allowed to grow and strengthen. We see others have hope even when they shouldn't. And it encourages us. We are spurred on to loving good deeds because we see others hold on to their hope in Jesus when they go through hard times as well. Our hope is enforced by a togetherness because together we exalt the name of Jesus and we come together and we pray and we care for one another and we hold each other accountable. Why? Because we are hoping for a day when we no longer have to deal with sin and hurt and loss, but we will be with Jesus in heaven and we will celebrate forever for eternity, the goodness and the glory of God, and we are no longer guilty. There's no more shame. There's no more hurt. There's no more sadness, no more tears, no more loss. And we do that on earth together so that we can keep our eyes on him. Community is found in hope. We find hope in observing others love Jesus and believing that it's right for us. This is the tangle in the knot. Because for most of us on a rational level, we look at other people and if they don't continue to love, then we say, well, there's no good reason to keep doing this if I don't have something to hope and believe in. But let me flip that. I would say to you and me now as hearers of God's word, we now have some accountability about this where God has set you and me apart to be love when things are not well and help others find their hope and their joy and their love and their faith to experience God's goodness even when earthly, rational, reasonable thought is just 
give up. And I would say to you, Christian, cling to people who are struggling just like you and keep going. This is what the church allows us to do. This is what Christian community should be about. For us to fight together to keep going. Even Psalm 27, when the enemy has encamped around us and he wants to destroy your life and he wants you to feel the pain of earth and say, I can't do this any longer. And God's people stand with you and say, yes, you can. I know because I've walked through it also, but I'm here for you. I'm going to pray for you. Anything you need, I'm here for you. Call me. Call Jake Childers. Two o'clock in the morning doesn't matter. Sorry, Mackenzie. (laughs) We want to be here for each other. This is what gives us hope. God is so good. These three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Let's talk about love for a few minutes. Christian community, a relationship with one another, is the standard that the world uses to judge not only us as a church, it also uses our love for each other to judge God. This is a heavy load. This is a mighty responsibility. Our love for one another demonstrates that we are followers of Jesus. John 13, we already looked at that. But it's also a demonstration that we love one another even when we are unlovely. There are times that you and I will be unlovely and unlovable and we make choices in our lives that do not look like Jesus, does not look like Christian community, it does not look like a church, it does not look like a righteous way to live. That's when we need each other the very most. We don't walk away from people just because they're not living a life that honors God. That stinks of self-righteousness. Right? We need each other. We need to be surrounded by people we love. This is the way God chose to live. Do you know this? Before the world was ever created, before anything we know of, was ever created. God lived in community and was surrounded by those he loved. Jesus Christ was with God long before we ever knew anything or wrote anything or experienced anything on this earth. Jesus was was with God in the beginning. John 1. The person of the Holy Spirit was with God in the very beginning. So God the Father surrounded himself with ones he loved. Jesus fiercely loved those that surrounded him. So as people followed him, he loved them with a mighty, powerful, compassionate, passionate love and never let them walk away without showing them 
His mercy and grace. And the Holy Spirit steps into the life of a child of God, a Christian, and surrounds us with the protection and the mercy and the kindness and the goodness and the love of God. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Are you familiar with these? The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. But watch this. Those fruit are not given to you to love God better. Those fruit are given to you and me. The Holy Spirit surrounds us so that we can love others with God's love. God has never once done anything to tarnish or destroy his reputation of love. It's what we see in others that cause us, we personify God. You know what that means? It means we put human activity and emotion and characteristics on God. And if God would ever allow a baby to die, that's not a loving God. But that's not how it works. God, in brokenness and sorrow, has allowed things to happen on this earth so that, watch this, you and I can step in with the love of God and help people see that God is not only a God of wrath, but he is a God of love. And he's not punishing that baby and he's not punishing those parents. It's the effect of sin in our world. But we need each other. We stand together. And so because I love Jesus and the Holy Spirit indwells in me and you, now you can demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. But we need each other to do that. Because if you are left on your own, you will give up. You will fall. You will stumble and the enemy will win. But God gave us each other with a shared faith and a shared hope and a shared love to do this difficult life together. The way we love and care for each other tells the story of how real our faith is. The way we love each other tells the real story about how real our hope is. One of my favorite uh, pastors, Rick Warren, you guys may know Saddleback, he says it this way, and I love this. Your faith, the relationship with Jesus Christ, it is in fact personal, but it was never meant to be private. This is why we do life together. This is why we crawl in the foxhole together. This is why we lock arms and say, no one's going to hurt you, not on my watch. (laughs) Why? Because I've struggled and hurt and fallen and I've needed people to lift me up also. And I'm going to do it for you because somebody did it for me. And that is an act of the love of God.
That's good, right? And we get to share this beautiful parent dedication. And I kind of challenged you with some accountability. Let me, let me say this one more time and remind you. These parents have these beautiful children that are going to grow into sinner, willful people. Just like you did. So don't judge them. And they need you. They need to know they can count on you and that they can come to you and say, you don't have to do anything else. Just pray for me. And that'd be enough. And then if the Holy Spirit sees fit to anoint you and give you a word of truth, then you speak that into their life. We do life together, just like God in heaven before us and just like God on earth in the person of Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit and just like God for all eternity with you and me, the great cloud of witnesses. We are in this together. Amen? Now we've got some people this morning that have also chosen to be baptized. This is going to be special, right? So if you're getting baptized, I want you to come right over here and meet Miss Caitlin, right? We're going to get ready to do baptisms. We're going to go right in this corner. So if you've got an I have decided t-shirt on, why don't you head right over that way, right? And if you're helping, you can go over there and help them out. The worship team's going to come up and I want to tell you how you can find true Christian community in a place just like this. And if you live somewhere else, there is a church of Jesus Christ there where they can also stand with you and embrace you and bring you in. Christian community is found best in small groups of people. This is beautiful and awesome and wonderful and you charge up my life when I hear you sing. But we don't get to know each other this way. We get to know each other when we can sit in a living room, sit at Sonic, sit at, there's no coffee shops really around here, but you can go to Jake and McKenzie's house at two o'clock in the morning and meet together you might ask first. We find Christian community in small groups with each other. It's why we as a church have life groups. So that you can sit in a living room and you can do that life together that spurs you on to love and good deeds. Right? These are crucial. It's not just a thing we do because churches are supposed to do it. We do it because that's where we find care and accountability. We spur one another on. We've talked a lot about disciple making. and We're going to be starting some groups in the next several weeks of people who are learning to follow and love and walk and enjoy and grow in Jesus in small groups. 
This is how this happens in our men's ministry where we meet together and we eat some meat and we pray and we tell the stories that honor Jesus and we grow together. In our women's ministry where they meet together and celebrate and make things, whatever women do, right? And enjoy fellowship and grow together in Jesus. This is why we do group life at the river. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. Come find a life group. Come get a part. Come be a part. Come get involved in group life here. You'll find our groups, our life groups on our website, theriverpanhandleeasyenough.com, theriverpanhandle.com. And find it there. Or come see me. Let's do this together. I'm for you. I'm with you. I don't know a lot of you very well yet, but whatever you need, I want to be there for you. But you know what else? More importantly to me, I want you to be there for one another and demonstrate the power of the love of Jesus Christ played out in loving relationships. God, help us. God, we need you. We want to be a part of who you are and what you desire and your design. God, help us to find truth and joy and hope and faith and love in these relationships so that the world will see and know that you are God. In the name of Jesus. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.